Yeah, I, I tend to think of the Gospels uh, as being sort of, they each takes, you know, a fair bit of creative license. And, you know, we're better off sort of coming to our own terms with that in whatever way that means than to try and harmonize them. The church actually has condemned harmonized gospels as heretical in the past. So, (laughs) so like if I'm, if I'm trying to pull these threads together, then what you might say is something like this. Let's say that the Luke, that the Luke story is less editorialized. I don't know if that's true, but let's just say for the sake of argument that it is. And that the Mm -hmm. Matthew one is editorialized in that Matthew puts it towards the beginning of the passion sort of, you know, for some obvious symbolic reasons, right? He gets anointed. And the fact that Matthew puts it there, uh, just to tie in with your thing. Yeah. His anointing at the beginning of his passion is not by a religious person. It's not by a Pharisee. It's not by, you know, just someone of high moral character. It's like the lowly, the, the sinful and troubled woman, um, who doesn't even use water. She uses her tears, right. Mm. And the, and the oil. So that's pretty fucking powerful. Um, even if we sort of want to take it as just like a poetic move by Matthew, it's still, like a really powerful poetic move. It could of course be the other way around and Luke moves it earlier for some, I mean, I don't know, but Mm. I like that um, angle a lot. Yeah. Different and different gospels take longer with certain passages too. So maybe, you know, in the chronology of it, it it still kind of lines up to where it ought to be, but it did feel like especially important that action in the sequence of what was happening then in Matthew. But in you know, I, I think that it's impossible to synchronize the gospels all together, right? You can't, yeah. you can't do it. Her, heretical or not, I don't really give a shit if, what the church says. About I don't that. either, but I just think it's like <laughs> one of the nice kind of uh, slam dunk arguments against it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's never because it's never liberals who want to harmonize them. So it's like a nice argument against conservatives <laughs> who try to harmonize them. Say, hey, that's actually heresy. And they go, oh, no, I don't want to be heretical. Liberals go, who cares if it's heresy? <laughs> so it doesn't work on liberals, but it does work on conservatives who are more prone to harmonization. Yeah, it's like I want to harmonize the Gospels to show that we have an awesome book in the Bible that has flaws and there's issues with it. But yeah. here's a story that we can kind of construct that has some symbolism to it that that feels important. I mean, well, the, and, this, you know, it makes sense like the Christmas story, the nativity story. If you're going to do a play out of it, you got to harmonize it to some degree. Otherwise, sure. you're like doing four plays or three plays <laughs> or, whatever, you know, two plays. So I get it. Like you, you understand the need for it. But you know, we do have to preserve the the different voices. I just want to say really briefly, you know, Matthew being so focused on sort of Jewish, um, you know, the, the high priest imagery and, and Jesus as the second Moses and all this stuff, I think it does make sense to say, well, Matthew might've scooted this back to have it, you know, more pregnant with meaning um, sort of in that passion narrative. That would make sense. But Again, I'm no New Testament scholar. And the the anointing of like using the phrase anointing and and the oil, especially going in, in Jesus's hair, like on his head, yeah. is I think more specifically significant to a Jewish audience than I think it would probably be to Gentiles. But let's go back to Luke. I'm I'm getting okay. way I'm I'm getting, getting far aside here. So great. Um <laughs> uh 
the I, I mentioned earlier the inner monologue topic, something that Luke does with some regularity. And I thought it was um, especially powerful in this story because it makes us ask a question of ourselves. Are we Simon or are we, would we be more like Simon in this or would we be more like the the sinful woman in this? Or in the context of Jesus's story, would we be uh, you know, would, if, if we were in the position of, you know, of either the the indebted or the debtors, uh, how would we act in this? It requires introspection in a way that, like, um, rapid fire gospel, like Mark, doesn't really stop and let us do. Like Luke um, allows us to say, where are we with ourselves in this? Here we have characters having an inner monologue. So where are we with it? Where is your inner monologue on this story? 